Welcome to Stock Odds, Odds and, and Podcast, another weekend edition. We're trying to get it early. Good evening, Rob. Well, it's a Sunday, but we get the bonus of the Monday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So it feels like a Saturday. Nice to have a, an extra day for sure. And uh, so January, you know, we've had uh, these two uh, short weeks, you know, the first week and uh, now this one. And this one culminates in expiration. So it's a. Uh, it's an interesting week. Plus, um, we have mid-month seasonality, so we'll talk about that. Anyway, let's get this party started. Um, so I'm showing you uh, what the intraday action was on the 11th, which was Thursday. So we had uh, the CPI data and weekly initial claims. So um, Dave and I talked about that last weekend that we said, you know, the two most significant events of the week were the CPI and the PPI. And uh, just want to show you here what happened. So we were a little bit elevated uh, prior to the announcement of the CPI at um, 8:30 Eastern time, and uh, we did we did drop and it recovered um, because the data was kind of mixed between the two reports. Um, so kind of this debate about soft landing versus not, um, you know, inflation versus not raising interest rates versus not cutting interest rates. I mean, it's all kind of jumbled in there. And uh, treasuries did okay for the week in terms of bonds went up and the yields uh, dropped slightly. But um, but there was this sort of battle here and, um, and you can see it uh, displayed in how we, we rallied up pre-market uh, off the lows and then we uh, turned over and kind of had a pretty high signal move uh, earlier in the morning, the first to two, two and a half hours. Then we retraced all the way to, re to retest the previous close and we closed just about bang on. Uh, so that was an interesting event on the Thursday. And then we go to Friday and we see a similar kind of behavior uh, off the December PPI. We, in this case, we were discounted prior to the uh, report and then we launched up and uh, you know, really high signal heading up before the open, managed to to open and just, you know, notch up a little bit. And then we reversed and went all the way down to fill the gap. Um, and that gap fill happened right at 10 a.m. right here. Bounced a bit, finally went around. Well, we chopped back and forth over the previous close and uh, finished again fairly close to the previous close. Um, so very interesting day again on the PPI numbers. And this was in front of a long weekend here, uh, the Friday. So you have, you kind of have this, you know, lighter volume. People leave early because they want to make even an extra long weekend out of it. Um, you have a little bit of, you know, positive enthusiasm because everybody likes, you know, an extra day off kind of thing. But you also have concerns about what might happen on a long weekend and your inability to deal with positions or manage or hedge or you know buy puts or anything so there's always these concerns about this extra day as it is weekend risk is more than uh you know any other day of the week so we usually have a, a, a weekend factor of three to five times the risk of any one day during the week and that's how we view weekends um there there's a lot of 
positive developments that can happen if if nothing bad happens over the weekend you could come into monday and be fairly elevated or you come into after a long weekend like tuesday we could be elevated just if nothing happens but there is that concern before the weekend just because you're not able to really deal with positions and you have that extra exposure so there's always a battle before weekends and you know, we've had a lot of Fridays that have been been fine, but uh, uh, but this was one where it chopped around quite a bit. Um, so that was that. And uh, oh, again, from the PPI numbers, we sort of had more. We had a little bit more um, sort of deflationary or lack of inflationary pressure because the the wholesale numbers were were subdued. So we had. We had a, a, a like a disinflationary to deflationary, uh, you know, kind of narrative out of the PPI. But but anyway, the market did give up its premium. So I just wanted to point that out. Like these last two days, we did give up um, the premium that we had there. And so that's telling. That means that there's sellers present. And granted, volume was lighter on Friday, but there are sellers present and they're willing to sell into any rallies. So keep that in mind. And this is the chart of the SPY here. So um, we did, you know, make this new high pullback. And then again, we've been testing here, trying to, you know, get firmly closed above the high that we had from December. So we've been battling a little bit because right away when we came into the new year, we sold off and we turned around and, and rallied back. But we're we're having trouble to get that confidence to break out into new highs and really sustain them. So definitely a battle going on. I'm not going to show you uh, the, the cues and the diamonds. Uh, we've got other things to talk about today, so I'll just kind of skip that, let you look at, you know, that stuff on your own. Um, I wanted to show this. Uh, this is kind of our subscriber list. We, we produce a neutral and a risk and our neutral is uh, the 11 sectors, one long and one short from each sector. Now it's not industry balanced, it's just sector neutral in that sense. Um, so there is exposure to the macro and there's exposure to all kinds of forces still from that. So it's not perfect, um, but it's been a lot more stable than the SPY has been over this last year. But uh, today I just focusing here on the risk on list, which is long technology communications and discretionary and short uh, staples, industrials and healthcare. And then risk off is the opposite of that, but not the opposite symbols. There's they're, they're uniquely curated symbols between the two lists. So risk off is long healthcare, long industrials and long consumer staples or defensive and short. Uh, whoops, uh, and short the um, tech, discretionary, and short the communications. Now, in doing that, um, we've had strategies where, you know, someone could choose to do risk on or risk off. But I also wanted to show what it looks like if you just did both of those lists on any given day. Um, and then versus the SPY. So the blue line here represents the SPY in open to close performance. And you can see how it's had some volatility and actually went uh, negative 
at one point um, in the year around uh, end of October, beginning of November. And since uh, November, we had pretty good performance, um, you know, right from from the 1st of November all the way through to the uh, end of December, essentially. And so, you know, the performance on close to close was good, but we still had great performance intraday open to close. Now, if we go back to 1993 until now, you're going to see that there's there's not a lot that's accomplished from the SPY open to close. Most of the returns are, or all of the returns really are overnight. Um, but since we're trading intraday and we're looking at our lists open to close, um, it's important to do the same kind of comparison. So the blue line again is the SPY open to close. The gray line down here is the risk off list. So, you know, since June the 7th was when we started the, these two lists, risk on and risk off, you can see what's happened here is that the, the neutral list had a little bit of a bump initially, but it's been pretty much sideways all the way through. So volatility on it is less than the SPY, but there's no real performance from it. The performance has come from the risk on list, which you can see here in the darker orange. And if you added both together, the defensive or the risk off and the risk on, you would have this uh, yellow line here. Um, so again, a person could choose or they could do both, but what we've really had an environment of risk on. Now, could that change in 2024? And I, I would propose that it's possible with many surprises uh, to come this year, a lot of things that are, you know, stirring and boiling and just looking at the amount of elections globally that there are, including our own election in the U.S. Um, there's young countries and, uh, you know, older countries like the U.K. and and so on in the U.S. that uh, you know have uh, elections this uh, this year, and so we've got a tremendous changing of the guard in that sense. We've just had uh, elections in Taiwan, um, and so there's a lot of potential for things to change, and there's lots of different risks that come with that too. Potentially some good things like we've seen in. Argentina with a, a change there, but that doesn't mean it comes easy. Uh, there's a lot of chainsaw taken to a lot of the the debt and the way that uh, politics have been conducted. And so that's uh, always uh, presents risk and so on. But anyway, um, just wanted to point that out. It's a, it's a good study and there's an opportunity there to assemble from our stock odds database lists that uh, serve your purposes you know uh you can curate from a particular bucket you can curate leaning more to risk or uh risk on or risk off and it's, it's a funny word like risk on what it means is people investors institutions are more willing to go after the riskier assets and when the climate changes, then they might rotate a little bit into risk off. And we saw that, you can see that right here, as we went into January, the risk off did perform a little bit better than the risk on. 
So there's seasonality to these things. There's different climates. There's different backdrop, macro backdrop, right? Okay, um, here's sector performances for Friday and for the week. We saw energy have its one-day wonder on Friday. I mean, for the week, though, it's right at the bottom of the pack again, like it's been for so long. So um, the, the weekend element came into the defense contractors, I noticed, and it came into energy. This Because we have you know, this, this uh, problem in the Red Sea and the Suez Canal potentially blocked uh, from a lot of traffic. We've had 90% reduction on, uh, to maybe 95% reduction on ships going there and they're going the long way around, which adds costs. And, uh, and then we, you know, we had to go in and, and make some, U.S. had to make some strikes on Yemen. Um, so now, you know, we didn't want the war to escalate regionally. Uh, and it is. I mean, that's the that bottom line is it's expanding and I don't think it's over, right? So keep that in mind. Things are expanding and they probably will continue to expand. That's one of the risks that we've uh, incurred here going into 2024. It's going to be an interesting year with uh, a lot of war drums beating globally. So uh, energy popped up. It's Often something I look for on a Friday doesn't surprise me. If you can utilize it, great. Sometimes in in that situation where uh, people are excited about a particular commodity and and the prospects to a group, um, remember to go in and and uh, look at your uh, smaller cap and mid cap stuff because that can often perform better than the uh, you know the big integrated oils and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, consumer cyclical was down at the bottom on Friday. It just didn't like that sort of giving up the premium that we had. And Tesla was a big part of that because, uh, unfortunately, you know, should Tesla be in the industrials? Mm, maybe. Should it be split? Should it be split in two and be between the tech and industrials? You know, but it is it is a big component in the uh, XLY, which is consumer cyclical, and so it was down uh, significantly over three percent, three and a half, three point six two or whatever it was. So it was down a lot, and um, and it it dragged on the cyclical. Other than that, it wasn't too bad of a day for most sectors. In the one-week performance, uh, technology, consumer services, and we had a kind of a battle between defensive and cyclical for the week. Energy at the bottom, utilities at the bottom. Even though that uh, rates were favorable, I just didn't. Uh, nobody, nobody wanted to get too involved in utilities. So uh, they did okay on Friday, just like energy did popped up. So you know, every dog has its day, I guess, right? Okay, map of the market for Friday. You can see there's the Tesla, three minus 3.67. I was pretty close by memory, 3.67. Um, UNH had a bad day. CVS, Humanus of the healthcare had a bad day. Um, Wells Fargo had a bad day on the banking earnings. Even though the earnings were good, um, you know, market took it to the woodshed here. Um, so there's a lot of different components. You you know you can't just take a headline. You have to look at a lot of factors. And then even if you look at all the factors, how does the market treat it? Right. Boeing had another bad day. Um, you know Boeing's Boeing's got some issues. Um, nothing that uh, duct tape wouldn't solve. I mean you just wrap the whole plane in duct tape and you'd be fine, right? So um, so I would recommend that. But uh, anyway, Dave, you're supposed to laugh at my jokes. Come on, what's the matter with you? 
I laughed but it was on mute though. <laughs> oh, you laughed but you're on mute. Okay, I get it. All right, so anywho, uh, this is the map for the week, which uh, was a lot more robust, not for Tesla, not for a couple of the banks, not for healthcare, not for energy, not for utilities, but in the tech space, NVIDIA put in a robust 11.43%. Microsoft up 5.63, Google, Meta up nicely, Amazon up nicely. Um, but you can see how they split, you know, and this is something to remember that generally in most conditions where the market is not like on fire, you know, not like animal spirits, when the market is kind of split like we had on you know a lot of things this week with the cpi and the ppi and all that when it's kind of split you get this happening where they split the group and they buy some and they sell some so the actual uh sector etf doesn't move that much because obviously some components are moving down and some are moving up but the problem is they're they're still market weighted they're market cap weighted so they uh the, you know, the bigger companies still tend to exert the additional force uh, on the uh, on the sector, right? Whereas the diamonds are price weighted, so it's a little bit different on how they perform. Here's the uh, U.S. dollar chart here. Um, you can see over here that we've been sideways in a channel for a while. So what I want you to pay attention to is when we break outside of that, that's going to be significant either to the upside, which has still plenty of potential to move up, or to the downside. Um, again, we're kind of at this uh, crossroads, really, with, uh, you know, where we are. We came, we, we rallied here because of interest rate hikes and inflation and probably more hikes expected, and we, we thought that you know, the Fed was going to still do another one or two, like, you know, potentially October and December. And then then we saw the narrative change where they said maybe one and done, and then it changed further to nothing. And then we didn't get a, you know, we didn't get anything in December, but the narrative started to change about these cuts in March. First of all, it was May, then it went to April, then it went to March. So now you know, March, April, May, and then and now we're wrestling with this whole thing. Was it premature expectations? And so that's why we bounced up a little bit and we've kind of gone sideways because nobody actually knows what to do. I mean, that's the reality. Nobody knows the future and we don't know which way things are going to go. And so we look at the FedWatch tool, the CME FedWatch tool. We get a, some probabilities from that. Um, but there's a lot of changing factors. And so uh, fasten your seatbelts and pay attention to which way we break out of here on the dollar. The same thing, watch the treasuries as well. They had a, a little bit of a, a move higher where it means the yield dropped slightly, but we're still in a kind of a defined range. Here's gold though, even though the dollar was sideways, gold did pop up a little bit. So, you know, there's the speculation that, I mean, it's held up you know, actually very, very well. Um, I know it's, you know, not the thing that's that attractive to people anymore, especially in the digital uh, currency age, but, um, you know, keep your eye on it because um, there's big number here at 2100 and of course the 2150 area. 
Um, but uh, I just noticed that it popped up without the dollar uh, doing anything. And so that that is to me a little bit notable. And that could be because of this additional uh, war drum beats here. Okay. Um, here's seasonality now. For uh, we we brought up this slide last two uh, times uh, we did this uh, podcast, and uh, now we're moving into the mid-month seasonality uh, element here. So uh, again, the way the way we track it is the ninth through the fourteenth business day. So if we count on our calendar, we had a shortened week, so that's four days. Nine days started on Friday. So Friday was the first day of the mid-month seasonality. And then uh, the rest of it finishes the uh, 16th through the 19th. So we have a shortened week next week. So we uh, finish our seasonality for mid-month on the Friday, which is also the third Friday of the month, which is expiration. So we're expecting a down seasonality and potentially a nice robust expiration. So let's take a look at hey, Bernard, our. If you bring up the queues, the queues are expected to do quite well during mid-month seasonality. So small caps weaker, um, S&P 500 pretty much flat, but the queues are, are really robust. For so mid-month? Kind of okay. Yeah, for mid-month, it's kind of a really risk on yeah, uh, high beta stuff. So that's that's interesting. I mean, we had we had a, a week where they they started out a bit softer. The week before they were queues uh, and the components were softer. And then we started out and they finished okay for the week. We had some nice robust moves. So what you're saying is, is that that could certainly carry over. And uh, I can't change this because this is a slide, but you guys can go for yourself. And what you do is if you put ETFs here in the universe, you can put any symbol, like you could put the diamonds in there and it will compare to the SPY. You could put the Qs in there and it'll compare to the SPY. You could put any sector ETF in there and compare to the SPY. So it's one thing that you can do to get uh, some backdrop, some context for uh, the ETFs. Okay, thanks Dave. Now this is uh, mid-month for the ETFs here. So we're kind of getting a bit of a picture of that. Um, Overall, the change uh, expectations is still slightly weak. Now, Dave pointed out the Qs themselves are expected to be positive here. Um, but overall, the whole context, everything considered is, you know, slightly weaker still. So uh, that means, you know, pick your battles and also look at how we arrived here. You know, what of these has been weaker prior to this bullish window. What here has been stronger prior to this bullish window? Okay, so that's gonna be important. Like if you had, you know, a good run in, uh, like, well, if energy on Friday, you know, lifted and then nothing happened bad over the weekend, that's, you know, maybe the fears are alleviated. You could see it really pull back for next week, which would be in keeping with what is expected here anyway, okay? Um, so keep that in mind. We have um, the, the symbols themselves, the stocks for mid-month. Again, you wanna align yourself with some of the symbols that are members of those ETFs or associated to those ETFs, and that could give you some value. 
So you might be looking for if, if you wanted to short basic materials, for example, uh, you know, you got CLF is in there, NUE, STLD, things like that, CF. These are all uh, in, the, in the basic materials, AA. Um, so you might want to focus on that. If healthcare is expected to be weak, you've got a couple of those. If you got uh, a couple of retailers, then over on this side, you got a couple of uh, the uh, tech stocks. You know, if the Qs are expected to be a bit stronger, that could fit in with that or XLK. Okay. Uh, then we end up with Friday, which is supposed to be a bullish day, mm -hmm. and same themes here you see the spy should be good semiconductors good xlk iyr smh is there xlp is uh staples so we've got a bit of xrt and xlp on this side here and then on this side we've got um remember the sds is an inverse so this is really saying that the spy because this is the uh this is the double spy and this is the inverse double spy. So just that throws it off a little bit. Just remember that. Um, we've got um, GDX, GDXJ. So some of the gold expected to be weaker on uh, Friday, GDLD as well. Um, some bonds weaker on Friday. Keep that in mind. So not as much of a positive expectation Tuesday through Thursday. If nothing bad happens over the weekend, Tuesday might be a relief rally. Then it could roll over and Wednesday could be a bit sour, Thursday a bit sour, and then rally again on Friday. That's that's how it might play out. It's giving you kind of a, a movie I've seen before. <laughs> and here's the stocks again. Pick out in keeping with uh, your ETFs as much as you can. And also look for, you know, if you did a uh, streaks overbought oversold anything like that and you see you know um, maybe you know American Express had a really good rally last week um, you know it might roll over um, or well this is actually the third Friday so you'd, you'd want to look at this on Thursday before you go into Friday and there's two options one is carrying it overnight hedging it another one is just waiting until the open on Friday so uh, you could decide what what element of risk you're wanting to take on that. Okay, Dave, take it away on the economic reports here. Yeah, there's a couple of themes for the week. One is Fed speak. A lot of that's going on. There's some housing data and retail sales. So Monday, of course, we're closed for the Martin Luther King holiday. Tuesday, there's a Fed Governor Waller speaks and some manufacturing data. And Wednesday. Again, a couple Fed um, chairs are speaking and governors, but we have U.S. retail sales and um, the Fed beige book at 2 p.m. So that could be a, a market mover Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Thursday, again, more Fed speak and housing starts, building permits, and Friday, existing home sales and more Fed speak. So the Fed may play more of a role this this week um, in moving the market in, in one way or another. And in terms of earnings, um, Tuesday, we've got Goldman Sachs, that's a bigger company. Uh, Wednesday, Kinder Morgan. And Thursday, uh, Friday, we have Traveler. So earnings are picking up. A lot of financial yeah, Goldman's a big one. Yeah, yeah, Goldman's a big one for sure. 
and that kind so, of kicks off the the bank earnings. Um, that was, well, we had you uh, had um, some on Friday, but uh, yeah. yeah, Goldman's still a JP big Morgan. For, for, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I got some items, food for thought here. So we've got Davos also starting on Monday through the 18th. Now theme is rebuilding trust. Now why wouldn't we re why wouldn't we trust them? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, um, anyway, keep that in mind. Uh, we've got uh, we've just had Taiwan elections, so uh, this is an important thing. And uh, Putin's main advisor did say something possibly relevant. And he said, if China is going to take Taiwan, now is the perfect time. So we've been kind of expecting that the last couple of years. And we have been expecting that they might want to do something prior to the elections, the U.S. elections, not prior to the Taiwanese elections, but possibly because of. Um, but but before our U.S. elections, so. We're entering a season where the timing is, is definitely closer than it has been for that uh, assimilation of Taiwan into China. Um, but again, we can speculate on the three, four or five different ways that they might uh, attempt to do that. And I don't think they would want to do it. You know, first thought wouldn't be war. There's other ways to to bring it about. So it'll be interesting. But if it happens, it has been expected it could be, oh, at least $10 trillion of cost to global GDP, besides all the semiconductor <laughs> problems that we could have. So, um, yeah, very interesting uh, potential development there. Um, so I have some questions for you guys. Food for thought. Can we expect a lower or higher cost of money going forward? Can we expect the cost of money to be lower or higher? We've been in a season for many, many years of lower cost of money. And that season has come to a close. And people are expecting that we've just seen the higher side of it now and we're going to go back towards the lower side. But is that is that reality? Is that really the what's on the horizon going forward, considering all the things that have come to a close? So money became very invaluable because we were awash in it. And now money seems to be becoming more valuable once again. So there's a higher cost when it's more valuable. Think about that. Are consumer household savings rising? Are credit cards utilized more or less? Are people becoming more reliant on it? I know during 2020 with some of the stimulus and other things that people kind of rushed to pay off credit cards as much as they could. And uh, they seem to try to save more. But there has been some banter about savings being reduced, people dipping more into their savings and using credit cards more. 
have wages kept up with inflation? We've seen, you know, some union strikes. We've seen, you know, some increases here and there, but have they really kept up with inflation? Is AI the final item that eliminates 35% of the jobs? Like, remember, Dave, when, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we they talked about the computer would eliminate all these workers and, you know, we didn't see yeah. that. And then, then it was the next thing and the next thing. Is AI the final element that actually does reduce jobs? You know, is this, mm -hmm. is, is this where we're at now, finally, after all these other sort of failed expectations in that area uh, because the job landscape has been pretty robust right so mm -hmm. anyway something to think about what is the implications of most baby boomers retiring so i don't know if you guys have ever read like pig through the python or uh, anything like that but um the baby boomers have been responsible for many of the developments you know, in the US and globally over the years. And as they retire, what implications comes from that? Does it change the investment landscape? Are they going to be investing more, less, pulling cash? You know, what's the transfer of wealth? What does it mean for you know, types of vehicles? that are bought going forward? What does it mean? I mean, they, they baby boomers were responsible for the minivan, remember? <laughs> the minivan, you know? Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of things that uh, came about through that. Um, what is the cost of net zero carbon emissions? I saw estimates of, you know, to, to bring this about $30 trillion, <laughs> which is about 30% of last year's GDP. That's incredible, right? To achieve this net zero. Well, it's, I'm not going to be achieved without pushback, but it could be achieved with uh, climate czar, maybe. Hey. <laughs> so something to think about. Um, what's next? Is global trade vulnerable? Well, I I've seen some indication that it is. We we saw it through COVID for sure. We had disruption in global trade. We uh, had disruption uh, in the Red Sea and the Suez Canal recently. Um, we have also some disruption in Panama with that canal. Panama Canal is kind of really low on water, and uh, a lot of ships are again having to go the long way around a lot of bottlenecks um so and then wars are disruptive right um have markets celebrated a victory over inflation too soon so we've come we're kind of sitting sitting right on the top of that now where we had a good rally from november until recently and it's kind of sitting there kind of on the fence so did we celebrate the victory too soon Hackers and disruptions. Uh, I guess there was a, a, an attempt to disrupt the London Stock Exchange. Um, what about other exchanges or things that could happen? Are we in a season of war with more wars inevitable? Is this just the way it is now? Is you know, there's a lot of hot spots. Look at um, 
you know, Venezuela. Um, look at uh, the situation there in, um, I mean, there's, there's, there's a <laughs> look at Sudan. I mean, no, I mean, I guess the, the Middle East focus and the Ukraine focus has been, been so much that a lot of these other areas aren't paid attention to, but uh, there's a lot of hot spots. So are we in a season of more to be expected? And what does that mean? So with all that bad news, well, it's food for thought. It's food for thought, right? Welcome yeah. to 2024. Anything to add, Dave? Doesn't sound like an easy year. To, to well, you know, what's the, what's the frustrating thing is that we do have this backdrop geopolitically uh, we've got a, a lot of things that are swirling around and a lot of potential for disruption, but the volatility is really low. Uh -huh. So, you know, it's not like you can kind of use any of that stuff that's going on to really trade off of that well. I mean, volatility is low. And, and our traders historically have done better when volatility is higher. Uh -huh. So it's going to take some real earth-shaking stuff to get things loosened up again to where we have our volatility back and, and we can get more production. So just remember, when volatility is low, you get that, that greater persistence of direction during the day. And when volatility is higher, you get the reversals, the nice V bottoms, V tops, you know, a nice, nice back and forth action. You get more production. You, if you're trading relationships, you just get to trade them over and over again you know you get the same same great trades repetitively and then when volatility is lower you don't so keep that in mind all right everyone thanks for your attention good and luck. have a good trading week in this shortened week okay